And now, live, it's time. Oh, we'll go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with us all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the door. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. It's Monday, out of the gate, JT with you as we start the off-season for the Silver and Black, uh, brought to you by our great friends who fuel the monologue, PT's 64-plus taverns right here in the Valley, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, the best happy hour in town, and we thank PT's for a really unique Raider season, which was very entertaining as we have pro football in Vegas the first year With fans has come to the end. The Raiders made the playoffs, which was fantastic, but they don't win a playoff game and they get knocked out of the first round. Today, we will recap the game at the Bengals because what we'll do this week is pretty basic. Like I've done throughout my career with the Raiders, playoffs or not, what we'll do today is we'll recap the loss in Cincinnati. Exactly what happened, specific to the game, specific to what happened in the loss at Cincinnati tomorrow We're planning on doing more of a season in review, a look back. Uh, Raiders did one on TV, which was fantastic over the weekend. We'll look back at the highs and lows of the year. And then we'll get into the offseason at the pace that the offseason will develop on this show, which is another thing I have tremendous experience with on not jumping the gun, but kind of covering the story as it develops here as the Raiders have big decisions to make this offseason, we would assume this is going to be a very active offseason. I don't know if there's going to be a new coach. I don't know if there's going to be a new GM. I don't know if there's going to be a new quarterback. I know just as much as you, nothing. No one actually knows. Literally no one knows. Even the people around Mark Davis, they haven't got to the decision yet. All those decisions. So I'm not going to use this platform to jump the gun and say what? what you might think could happen, but you can. If you want to jump the gun and talk about it, if you want to get in and give your opinion, you've always had the opportunity to do that. That's what our show's always been about. The opportunity for you to have an opinion on everything that could happen here in the offseason, why it should happen, why it shouldn't happen, what you expect to see. And it's going to be a long offseason. And it could be very short with breaking news, or it could be drawn out for a number of weeks. I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And what are we going to do? We're going to have to sit around and wait for news to come down. There's eight coaching slots available. Eight. There's usually no more than six. There's eight, and there's a couple of coaches, even that made the playoffs, that are on the hot seat. Leading with Mike McCarthy today and what happened with Dallas and the debauchery of that loss to the 49ers. So it's going to be very complicated. And before we get to the Cincinnati game, I'll say this. I think the Raiders have a lot going on right now. They had a lot to deal with during the season. There was tragedy. There were several dramatic moments that had to deal with off-the-field incidents that the Raiders had to play football that week. And they were able to win football games and win 10 games, which was quite remarkable considering most people didn't think they could do that. If there wasn't even tragedy and concerns off the field, there's a lot of people and NFL insiders that didn't think the Raiders were going to make the playoffs. And then once some of the problems started to mount with some of the players off the field, everybody pretty much said the Raiders would be out of it, and they were wrong. 
and the Raiders made the playoffs. For me, this was not satisfying because they didn't win a playoff game. I've been around the organization in my 23rd season. They, they want to win. All they care about is winning championships. They don't care about making the playoffs. They do in theory. It's good for business. It's good for the fans. But they want to win playoff games, and they weren't able to do that. And that's why today we'll talk about what happened in Cincinnati. And I think it was a blown golden opportunity to win a winnable game that they weren't able to win. They didn't play well. They didn't play their best game. They had self-inflicted wounds. And they could have won the game, which was really tough to deal with on Saturday. As we hosted the post-game show, Q jumped in for Eric Allen, who was on TV. You know, we did a 95, almost, you know, 100-minute post-game show. Took a lot of calls from fans who were pretty triggered and upset about the fact that there was an inadvertent whistle in that game. There were some penalties called that were questionable. How the game developed, what happened on the final drive of the game. The mistake by Peyton Barber with the kickoff. There were a lot of things that went against the Raiders in that game, and they should have won. And that's not a reach here. That's not being a homer saying they should have won. You know, Philadelphia couldn't win against Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh couldn't win against Kansas City. I thought the Raiders should have beat Cincinnati. I thought they were the better team. I really did. And Cincinnati made a couple of plays. You tip your cap to them. They were at home. They had the home field advantage. But I thought the referees, once again, cost the Raiders a game. You know, a lot of times referees screw a game up. And they do, and it, you know, it doesn't have the doesn't affect the complete outcome of the game. I thought the referees were so bad in this game, the NFL admitted it. They're not going to be working the rest of the postseason. They're not going to be working the rest of the playoffs. They were reprimanded for doing a bad job. The game was awful. The broadcast was a disaster with Drew Brees getting a tryout. You got a tryout for the playoffs. You got to be kidding me. The camera work was shoddy. The, the broadcast was terrible. The referees were terrible. And on top of that, the Raiders didn't play well. If the Raiders would have played a cleaner game, I think they would have won the game. So all of that combined is kind of a bummer because we should be talking about another week here with the Raiders having an opportunity to play in the playoffs and having a puncher's chance the rest of the way because I think they would have had a puncher's chance the rest of the way to win another playoff game, but it's on to next year. And next year, and this is Las Vegas. This isn't Oakland and L.A., it's a different market. The owner wants to win. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And I think as long as I've known Mark Davis, I know how much passion he has for the team and wants to get out of the way and let the coaches and everybody go win football games. Everybody will admit that who knows Mark Davis. There's never been a problem once about is there enough money to pay to go get this guy or that guy? Is there enough money to go get a coach? Never. Mark Davis has put all of his resources that he has from this team back into the team, and he wants to win. And I would assume he's going to do that in the offseason, take a step back, make some decisions here. Some will be basic. Others will be controversial. And we'll act accordingly here on the flagship station. But it's a little bit different on this show. I work with the coach. I work with a lot of the coaches here from time to time. We, you know, we understand that it is a little bit delicate to say what's going to happen next when we don't know. And when we don't know, we don't, you know, just dive off the cliff and act like a fool. We, we don't on this show. If you want to call in and give your impressions on the season and what has to happen next, obviously you can do all that whenever you want. But this is going to be one of the more important off-seasons because I think it's very complicated, Because and the team won 10 games. If the team wins six or seven games, it's not complicated. 
you get a new coach, you get a new GM, you do this or that. They won 10 games, but they play in a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, who's still playing. They have players that have unique contract statuses going forward, looking for extensions. Will their options be picked up? Uh, Veteran players, current players that were drafted a few years ago that you have to either cut bait or decide to stick it out with them. I think it's going to be very complex. And I think that Mark Davis has a really big task in front of him with the people that surround him that help give him advice on what they're going to do next. I think it is very complicated on a lot of fronts with a lot of big decisions that have to be made coming up here. And I respect him to make those decisions and keep the Raiders going, building on 10 wins and having another building block to go and win playoff games again. But let me say this as we open up the show. Very disappointed they lost that game. That's a game that you'd like to have back for a number of reasons. They didn't get any favors. The Raiders never do. The Raiders never get any help. When it comes to anything, and everybody knows that. So what are you going to do about it? They got screwed by the officials again on an inadvertent whistle, which we'll get to later. If you follow the the law of the rule, that touchdown should have been taken off the board. There should have been another play. Could it have been a touchdown on the next play? Of course. Could it have been a field goal? Could it have been different? Absolutely. We don't know what would have happened next, but maybe it would have been the momentum that the Raiders needed to win that game. Also, I'd like to say very proud to be a part of the broadcast team. What a job this year by Brett Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy, everybody, Eric Allen, all those I worked with this year. I really do believe we have one of the best broadcasts in the NFL, definitely on the pre- and post-game side with all the resources we had this year, all the fans that interacted. It was fantastic. Uh, Being a part of the Silver and Black show, interviewing the coach every week, really enjoyed that opportunity again. And I think it's going to be an exciting offseason because the Raiders host the NFL draft, which, if it goes off as planned, will be the largest NFL draft in the history of the league. And it'll be here on the Vegas Strip, and it'll be electric. And that really feels like a Mardi Gras Super Bowl atmosphere, even though the Super Bowl isn't here. And then the Raiders will be very active in the community, as they always are in the offseason. They'll do a ton within the community here to help and raise money and do the right thing, which I love being involved with, putting on the players and the coaches and all those who are going to help with their resources to try to make this Valley a better place and to help out the Raider Nation everywhere. That's always exciting. And then I would assume there's going to be a lot of things based around the stadium and the preseason and just a lot of big things happening here in the offseason. But with the Raiders not in the postseason – We'll spend a couple of days recapping the season, then I'm moving on to the NFL. We're going to cover and break down with the best guest. We're going to continue going, and when there's Raider breaking news and we have information, we'll treat it like breaking news and get it to you. And then after the breaking news, if it happens, we'll debate it, we'll talk about it for days on length, depending on how big the decisions are made. But that's it. Season's over, and the season ended on a down note. The overall season was positive, making it to the playoffs. There were a lot of valleys throughout the course of the season, but I think there were a lot of positives, a lot of positives. A 10-win season, I think the Raiders took back Allegiant Stadium, learned how to win and have some home field advantage, which is really important. And several players had standout years, from the pro bowlers to players that just played better than expected. And the coaching the coaching was great. I thought the coaching was at a high level all year, even after the John Gruden resignation. 
and the coaches help put these players in a position to win. So that's the monologue as we open it up. Now we'll take your phone call, 702-365-9200. Again, I'd like to stress today, I'd like it to be more about the Cincinnati loss for at least a day. And then we could stretch out tomorrow a season in review. And then really get into some of the decisions that are going to be made when they are made along the way. Let's get to some of the sound bites that became the highlights of the game. Cincinnati Burrow early in the game with this touchdown gets them off to a 7-3 lead. Third down and goal. Burrow brings the Bengals back into the gun, drops it back, rifles a pass, and it's a Cincinnati touchdown. Divine Diablo was there along with Morrow, and they just couldn't get a hand on the ball at Yuzuma. As Lincoln Kennedy pointed out, Bengals like to go to their tight end, and they did just there to take a 6-3 lead. Yeah, extra point, 7-3. That was a bullet. That pass was a bullet. It reminded me of what Herbert did the week before when he threw a couple of end zone throws on that 4th and 23, a laser beam, even though they had Raiders there that could have got closer to the ball. The ball came in sharp. It came in hard, and the Raiders couldn't do much with it. Derek Carr here on the strip sack turnover. This has been a problem with Derek securing the ball, but Derek's not blocking up front, and his teammates needed to do a better job here. Carr back into the gun, drops right straight back, steps up, he's balls out, balls loose. Bengals have it. A strip sack against Derek Carr, and the Bengals have the ball at the Raiders' 15-yard line. Our first turnover here in Cincinnati, and it was a strip sack. That was a tough one right there because the line got blown up. Derek didn't have a chance. You'd like him to hold the ball and go to the ground there, but that's happened in the past. Sometimes the ball gets out, and there it looked like the Raiders were reeling, but the defense did a good job and held them to a field goal, which really was the case here over the last month of the year. That once again, the game could have got out of control early. And the Raiders held them to a field goal. So it could have got out of control early. And the Raider defense showed that they had their A game. They were going to be there to try to get off the field and help the quarterback get back into the game. So that was a very important part of this game. I mean, this game could have been ugly early. Carlson comes in with the field goal to cut the lead. So here comes Carlson for the 28-yard field goal. On the money. The Iceman's second field goal. Yeah, that was a big kick there just to get them going. I said going into this, if you remember, last week that the Raiders would have to kick field goals to win this game. The Niners did the same thing. It's going to be a close-scoring game. You're going to have to make your field goals. And with Carlson, the Raiders were able to do that all year long. They were able to do it and do it all year long. Then the most controversial play, I think, of the weekend, a blown call by the referees, on this Burrow touchdown to Boyd with the whistle. Listen in. Burrow drops back into the gun on this third down. Takes the snap. Looks to the right. Forced out of the pocket. On the move now to the right. Raiders in pursuit. Steps out of bounds. Throws back at the end zone. Cut for a touchdown by Boyd. It was very close. Burrow was very, very close to the sideline. All right, so you heard Brett Mutzberger. Brett Mutzberger is in the booth, in the booth. And you could hear the whistle from the play-by-play man in the booth. That travels, right? So there was no doubt about it that that was a touchdown. But when you heard the whistle while the play was in progress, as Charles Woodson 
said on the Fox Post Game Show, the play's over. Now, would it have changed the play and the outcome of the play? Yeah, the play's over. The play's over because of an inadvertent whistle. If the referees make a mistake on that play, which they obviously did, blowing the whistle there, the play is over and you do it again, period. There's no gray area there. And then the NFL, again, lied after that, lied and said when the whistle came in after the play, which was just a flat-out lie, and the referees were reprimanded for this and they'll not work again in the postseason. What other analysis do you need about that play than what I just said? What other analysis is more accurate than what I just said? It's an inadvertent whistle. The play is blown dead, period. That has been the rule forever in the NFL, but not against the Raiders in a playoff game on the road. And the referees spoke about it, and the referees had the ability to correct it, and they chose not to. They chose not to. Now, does that affect the outcome of the game? Obviously it does. If you just look at the final score before I get to the final drive of the game, most likely they put up three there. Maybe the next play they run the same play and they score a touchdown. But the Raiders would have had an opportunity to make a play there. So that was that was really troublesome to me because of how obvious the mistake was by the official, the cover-up by the NFL, the cover-up by the NFL officials on that play, which to me isn't a conspiracy theory for me. Most rational people are saying this. They said it on the post-game show. You know, they've been saying what I'm saying here. Do it over. And they didn't do it. And the Raiders should be furious by this. And I think they are furious by this because, once again, the Raiders get screwed on a playoff call that goes against them on an obvious mistake where the NFL doesn't have the answer for it. Then the NFL explanation was lame because they knew they were wrong on the play. So that is it. I mean, did, did that play end the season? No, nor the game. The Raiders had plenty of opportunities to come back and get this game to a point where they could have won the game or got into overtime. They didn't do that. And this play will move on, and Raider fans will remember it, and no one else around the league will remember it in two or three weeks other than the Raider Nation and with the flagship station. So we got to talk about it, and we did after the game. A lot of people pissed off as that play went down because we can hear it. I was in a casino the M Resort, I could hear the whistle as he was about to step out of bounds and the ball left his hands. If you could hear it, you got to get it right. I mean, the officials were terrible in this game, and that was a big deal there, and it's an embarrassment to the league that they couldn't get that right when they could have easily corrected it. I think they could have easily corrected it, and they weren't able to do that. So I'm sure we'll hear from you on that today. Uh, let's get into Card Zay Jones. This has been the matchup here in the second half of the year, or down the stretch for this touchdown. Zay Jones is over to the right. Bengals are playing coverage. They're playing that umbrella coverage too deep. Here comes Carr looking to the right. Fires in zone. Zay Jones has got it. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Little bit of a tug of war in the end zone, and Zay Jones comes up with a huge, a huge play here for the Raiders. None bigger than this right here. That was a great play. That was a great throw, great route by Zay. He fought for the ball, and Zay Jones fought his way onto this football team this year. And when he was called on to make plays from the opener against Baltimore, the game winner, to this touchdown in the playoffs, they did a great job getting Zay Jones ready to play football this year and have a very good season and make some clutch plays. That was an important part of the game as the Raiders got into it. I wanted to highlight Mad Max here. I thought he was being held again. I watched that very closely because I know Max well, and I, I want to watch Max play. 
a lot of times when the game is going on and the play starts, I watch Max. I don't watch the linebackers. I watch the linebackers when I look at the 22, when I look at the tape, or, you know, we watch the game back here. Max Crosby, here's the pro bowler. Evans is his running back. He's a safety. In trouble, and down he goes. Mad Max Crosby with a sack number 52 against Burrow this season. And Mad Max leads the swim off the field. And the Bengals are forced to punt. And now it's Raider time. Yeah, it was Raider time. The Raiders came back to momentum here. After getting screwed on that inadvertent whistle, they got back into the game, once again proving that they had tremendous heart this year. There was no quit with this team. They bring Carlson back in. Big decision here now. The field goal to get it to a one-score game. <laughs> he went up in the air against the tackle and bought a bang. So here comes your 28-yarder. The Iceman delivers again. And it goes back to one score. 26-19. Bengals with the lead. And three and a half minutes to go here in regulation time. What a foot. Yeah, that's all you could help for at that point was the fact to be a one-score game. With three and a half minutes to go. And then the defense does their job again. To get off the field, the Raiders get the ball back with an opportunity to tie the game. And here is the final play, the car interception. Clock ticks inside of five. Takes the snap. The season. Intercepted. Intercepted. The Bengals have ended a 30-year drought. The curse of Bo Jackson comes to an end as Jermaine Pratt makes the interception. Brett Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy on the call. That, that final call I could do an entire show on. I don't know how that was the call with the season on the line with a team that had six walk-off wins. The most walk-off wins ever. I, I don't know how that could have been the last play of the game. With Darren Waller in the flat and Hunter Renfro in the flat, if all you had to do was watch the Cowboy game, which we'll get into, on what happened with Dak Prescott running the ball on the final play with 14 seconds, not able to clock it. All the Cowboys were trying to do in their game was what? The Cowboys were trying to get off one more play. They wanted to get the ball to the 23-yard line and take one more shot in the end zone. The Raiders had that opportunity. They're at the 9-yard line. So let's discuss this for a second. First off, when the Raiders got to the 9-yard line, they clocked the football, which I think was a terrible mistake. I cannot believe with 30 seconds to go was the first thing I talked about on the postgame show is that they got to the ball. There was plenty of time left, 30 seconds. They are in in the red zone inside the 10-yard line. They have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, and they didn't run a play. They gave up a down, which was really my only criticism of the team the entire year was the amount of plays they just gave up, running a ball into a pile on first down after a 30-yard game. You know, working the clock down to one second on the play clock and not audibleizing into a better play, but a play that was more conservative. So I was in absolute shock when the Raiders got to the nine-yard line and clocked the football. So was Brian Baldinger of NFL Network as he criticized the play because why wouldn't you run a play? I mean, you have plenty of time left, and you have weapons, and you have Derek Carr. And Derek Carr, you cannot take away a play from Derek Carr, nor can Derek Carr take away a play. There should have been nothing called from the sidelines on any level from the sidelines that would have led Derek Carr to believe that he had to spike that football. Nothing. Nothing at all. 
Derek Carr should have turned away and said, no, I got it from here. I'm Ken Stabler. I'm calling the final player. At least I'm calling this one. And then all the work with Darren Waller at the park, all the work after practice, before practice, you just run a play to Darren Waller. You just run a play to Darren Waller. I call it a high-point fade. To an NBA power forward in the end zone, high ball, only Waller can get it easily. You run that play, it's incomplete, there's 26 seconds to go, and you're fine again. The Raiders gave up a play on that play. And then on the last play of the game, they didn't even throw the ball into the end zone, which to me is inconceivable how could that happen. If you're playing street football, if you're playing football on Thanksgiving Day, the turkey bowl, if you're playing with your kids in the backyard, it's the last play of the game, you got to run into the end zone. But this team, historically this year, likes to check down and let the ball be caught and then maybe a play. You can't do that on the last play of the season. You just can't. And I don't know how Waller and Renfro were in the flat and they weren't a part of that play. Because it was thrown into triple coverage, and I don't believe that Zay Jones should be your final, final, final player that you go down with the season with. I think you go down with Hunter Renfro on one of his crazy route-running plays even if he's double teamed and you get the ball low to him, you do something unique, you lead him, you just get it to him. Or Waller on the high point fade, which has disappeared. Used to be a big play. It wasn't. So the Raiders lose the game on that last play. I was shocked by that because I thought at least the ball would be thrown in the end zone. Even if the ball's thrown in the end zone, if it gets tipped, it could tip into the hands of a Raider. If it gets tipped or intercepted, it gets intercepted in the end zone. If Zay caught that ball, the game would have ended on the one-yard line. So that is unacceptable on every level. That can't happen. And it did happen. Was that the reason they lost the game? No, I give you a whole bunch of reasons over the last 20 minutes why they lost the game. So very frustrating. But glasses half full, they had a really good year. And there were a lot of big plays made. But today we're talking about that game and what happened in that game that could have been cleaned up and could have been fixed and how they could have won the game. There's a lot. There's a lot of meat on the bone here to talk about the Cincinnati loss. A lot of people should be pissed off. I know players are. I personally know players are pissed off how that game ended. But, again, it's over. And I just wish it wasn't over because they were a better team than Cincinnati. I really thought they were a better team in Cincinnati on the road. They didn't get the breaks. They didn't get the big plays. The penalties hurt them. The barber play. That play was a really bad play. So a lot of things added up there, which was really unfortunate. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Let's get out to Chris in West Oakland to start us off, Chris, as the season comes to an end. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, JG. Yeah, what a wild ride from that opening night against Baltimore to Saturday. And, yeah, you're right. You know, I thought the Raiders blew a golden opportunity in, in this game. Cincinnati's kind of hot and cold. You know, Burrow can throw for 500 yards. He can be so-so. We didn't get the great, great Burrow. We had our chances. And, yeah, that call was a big one. Um, the whistle, the referee's whistle. I'm not going to harp on it as much, but a field goal there would have totally changed the game. Uh, the defensively, and I'll, and I'll review the season more later. Defensively, yeah, we did a pretty good job at times. But once again, this team does not make the game-altering play on defense, the turnover. You heard Brent Musburger on the touchdown. The, receive, the guys were there. They just couldn't get their hands on the ball. Yeah, you can say it's a dart, JT, but over and over again we've watched the Raider defensive backs and linebackers this year not be able to play the football over know where it was. Trayvon Merrick was two yards away from the tight end, looking right at the tight end, not even looking at the ball from the quarterback, 
Time and time again, we've been all over a receiver, just haven't been able to make a play. That's a big weakness that they have to address in the offseason. We've got to find guys that know where the football is and turn their heads and not give up completions on balls that almost hit them in the helmet. Offensively, Carr wasn't at his sharpest. He wasn't awful, but he wasn't great. But, again, we had our opportunities. But the frustrating thing, JT, we scored our touchdown at the end of the half when we go up-tempo. We go down the field at the end of the game. Yeah, we didn't get it done. We went up-tempo. This is why, no matter what happens, I want to move on from Greg Olson. I want to play to get a lead, not only be desperate when your best style of football to come from behind. And on that final play, JT, the reason Carr threw it to J.J. Jones, he was the farthest guy downfield on the two-yard line. Brian Edwards was on the five. Renfro and Waller were running five yards out covered. That's the only place he could go with the ball to be near the end zone. With your season on the line on fourth down, to not design a play where you've got three guys, not one, running in the end zone is just inconceivable to me. That being said, JT, I'll talk more about the season. It was a wild ride. And as far as the coaching goes, I'm just going to make one comment before I get out of here about Coach Bisaccia. I don't know what the Raiders do. Hell, I don't know what they should do. But whatever happens, this man has earned his place in Raider history, even if it's a a small footnote, because he took one of the craziest seasons in NFL history, righted the ship, kept these guys playing hard every week, and they played for him and got us into the playoffs. It didn't end Saturday like I wanted to and like every Raider fan wanted to, but every single Raider fan owes a debt of gratitude for Rich Passaccia for not allowing this season to go off the rails when it could have on many different occasions. I'll call you with a review of the season, what I think they need to do going forward in the next couple of days. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you later. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. I thought Rich Passaccia did a tremendous job. Uh, what a leader he is, the way he led the entire season and kept this team on the tracks to make the playoffs, no doubt. Fantastic job by Rich Passaccia. And overall, I mean, there were moments we're critical on play calling, we're critical at times on coverage. Of course, we respect these coaches and the job they do. And the job they did this year under adversity was incredible. It really is a memorable Raiders season from that perspective on how the entire organization, especially the football coaches and the players, single-minded focus to play the next play, the next practice, the next game, and do it all for the Raider Nation. It was fantastic. There are so many positives we're going to get to, but... As we do on the radio, after the game, we recap the game, and we're doing that. Hey, tonight I'll be at Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World, my final Monday night football show of the season. Come on down. I just feel like, again, we have a group of guys that learned how to care about each other, learned how to come to work and improve, and learned how to compete relentlessly, you know, to the end. And again, it's a credit to them and, and uh, what they decided to do a while back, and they put themselves in position to do it. That's Rich Passaccia. What a job they did in these players to fight to the end, make the playoffs, and be in a position on the last play of the game to tie the game, maybe go for two. I don't know. I don't think they would have because they got a great kicker go to overtime and have an opportunity to play on. Welcome back, JT, Raider Nation Radio. As we continue, if you're listening on the Raiders mobile app, we greatly thank you, and you're the core reason why we have a show going forward on top of what we have in Vegas, but the fans around the country 
that listen every day. There'll be Raiders breaking news the entire offseason, the big draft, everything we'll do around the draft, all the specialty programming we have, uh, the players, the alumni. That all stays. We all do that. But there are going to be days where we get to LeBron James, we get to the Golden Knights, we get to the Super Bowl, the teams that are playing here, and we kind of carry the show until we get to the Raiders season next year. And Raider fans, you're the heart and soul. This is your channel. This is your flagship. And I want to thank you for a great season, at least for our show and everybody else on this lineup that committed to it. Really special. It's tough to build the radio station anywhere from scratch. And our streaming numbers and the people that are listening and our loyal audience, incredible. Incredible. Better than I thought it could ever be because of the cooperation we have with the Raiders and that app, which gives us a national radio show every day. We've got callers from all over the country, all over the world, Australia, London, Fort Lauderdale, New York, Seattle, Illinois. They're checking in every day because they now have a home for the Raiders. And that was, that was a big deal. And it remains a big deal, and we thank you again. So the Raiders will make decisions coming up about what they're going to do. I think it's going to be very complex. Every every position base, the draft coming up, who they get, what they need to do going forward is complex. It is not easy because they're a playoff team. You could roll everybody back and do that, and I'm fine with that. If the owner decides to make decisions for the betterment of the franchise and they do that, we'll act accordingly, talking about why those moves were made. But it is complex here now because it's a playoff team that you have a feeling there's going to be some changes in regards to a couple of position groups, players potentially, and no one really knows what's in the mind of the owner now other than to improve the team, which was improved this year. And a lot of people help improve this team. Very exciting year. Very exciting year. And if we didn't have a couple of the tragedies with Arnett and Ruggs, where would the team have been? I don't know. I thought those were horrific horrific decisions that put the team on their heels, but the the team, once they handled those tragedies, went on and played at a very high level. And, wow, I'm just so impressed to see how the team stayed together. Because I've been doing this 25-plus years on the radio, and when there's adversity in sports, a lot of times teams crumble. That was the exact opposite of the Raiders. The word resilient was used a lot over the last month, and it's that word, incredible. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, will join us at the top of the hour, and then we'll also take the Rich Passaccia press conference coming up. So we'll probably take that on delay about, about 10 minutes. If you're watching on the Raiders mobile app, we'll have it here for our, our radio audience to hear. Raider Fish in Berkeley, you're up next. Go ahead, Fish. Oh, JT, JT. First and foremost, I'm very proud, proud of this squad. I think that this season – which, by the way, is bookended by the two greatest games of the season, the first one and the last one. This season is the top rung in the ladder that we will climb to get to consistent success. Now, this game, the refs, there's a lot of things, in my opinion, was overlooked. First of all, what's the point in having a ruling on the field and then you're supposed to have enough evidence to overturn it? The catch by big game hunter Renfro for the first down, there wasn't, in my opinion, enough to overturn that call. He has the ball in the grasp of his two hands. He doesn't need to press the ball against his body to have possession. He took two and a half steps. There was a holding call, 
against a Cincinnati defender who was already on the ground. How do you hold him? He's on the ground. And I don't care what anyone else says. You cannot overlook pass interference in a crucial moment of the game, especially with the game on the line. That last ball. Now, granted, Zay Jones was not in the end zone, and that play call lacked creativity. However, you need to call pass interference because the man was draped all over him like a cheap suit. I could go on and on, but here's the thing, JT, and the rest of Raider Nation, listen. We got to play better than the refs ref. I need signage all over the building. From here on out, practice field, in the locker room, play better than the refs ref because the Raiders, unfortunately, will have to do twice as much to make just the same progress as our peers because we're the Raiders. So what? I need that next coach, whoever it may be, to instill that attitude, play better than the ref's ref. JT, you and this radio situation, oh, my God. I feel bad that we couldn't have this in the Bay Area because we got stages that hate us. And I want to thank you, and I want to thank the rest of Raider Nation. And you know what, JT? Uh, I'm getting fired up. Go Raiders. Thank you. Now tell me about the Bay Area. But we're here, and we have it for the Bay Area now. Uh, Bay Area has the best Raider flagship they've ever had right here on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to the Raiders for putting our feed there on their mobile app and on their website. I, I opened up the show with that. Really important. Here going forward, there's a lot of Raider fans up in the Bay Area that don't have any coverage in the newspaper anymore, none on the radio, nothing. And uh, we are kind of like the last bastion of hope for the great Raider Nation up north in the Bay Area to listen to Raider content. So we appreciate you understanding that and giving everybody behind the scenes a pat on the back for that. Look, you can't control the refs. You can't. Rich Passaccia did an amazing job this year preparing this team. The practices the practices were important. The team was always prepared to play because they practice well. And that wasn't him saying that every week. If you talk to the insiders, some have radio shows, they'll all tell you the same thing, that the practices went well when they had players that were capable of practicing. But they don't have many days of practice late in the season. Late in the season, you're off, you get a walkthrough. It's all about walkthroughs now. Coach Gruden hated that when he was coaching. A lot of coaches hate it. You don't have an opportunity to get players in pads. Late in the year, they're too banged up. You can't put them in pads. You got COVID issues. And the team was always prepared to play. And the referee bad calls that went against them were terrible. And when they happen, you have to just be able to put it behind you and go to the next play, and the Raiders did that this year. They were able to put those bad calls behind them and play. You didn't see a lot of helmets sulking. You didn't see shoulder pad levels dropping. You didn't see guys, you know, making excuses. They continued to play the next play. That was very important for this team. They had a level of integrity, pride, and poise all year long. Everybody played with a big motor. Everybody played fast. To their ability, they played hard. They were a very physical football team, I thought. You know, they just didn't make enough plays on defense. As Chris, who opened up the show, said, the team really struggles turning the football over. They do. They got a lot of guys in the secondary that can't find the football. And you just look at their numbers overall. This has been a trend for a while. And they got to clean that up. And then in regards to the problem that I thought they had all year long is I don't think they played with enough authority on offense with the clock. With the clock, and no one can argue with me on that. Nobody can argue that point. They just were very nonchalant with the clock. They burned a lot of time 
in the second and third quarter thinking they had a chance to win in the fourth quarter and they had no time. They, there was always a battle with the clock in the fourth quarter because throughout the course of every game, they never played up-tempo unless it was the end of halftime or the end of the game. And I believe we all think they play pretty well when they play up-tempo. And they play no huddle, but for whatever reason, and it leads me to believe it's the inability and the inexperience of the offensive line that the coaches decided that they were not going to play fast. And as I was watching the Cincinnati game, I kept saying to the people around me, I go, look at this. 35 seconds off the clock. Do you think they'll need that 35 seconds with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Yes, they're going to need more time. Dallas. Dallas, very critical. Uh, the national media, the way Dallas handles the clock and the way they, all the penalties that Dallas had and the way they didn't have any time left at the end of the game because of the way. And Dal- And how about this? I-, I tweeted this out. Brady opens up the game in Tampa, no huddle. Brady's 44. He opens up the game, gets the ball, goes down the field, no huddle offense until they got inside the 10-yard line and they took a little breather. If Brady can do it at 44, the Raiders can do it. I just hope in the years to come that the team plays faster on offense because I really I think they got a really good offense. If they didn't have a good offense, I'd be like, forget it. It's a liability, the offense. Slow it down, run the ball. But they have the ability with some of these playmakers to play much faster. I hope that uh, happens next year. Reggie in North Las Vegas. Reggie, thanks for coming out and seeing us on the pre- and post-game show. How are you? Hey, like that last caller said, man, I got nothing but love for y'all. I've been following these Raiders forever. And since your first time on air, I've always appreciated what I hear out of you. And so getting you here on this station and being here in Las Vegas, I can't say nothing else, but I appreciate it. Um, the last caller kind of took everything that was balled up, balled up in me, and, and he made the statement. So I love that phrase. Play better than the ref's ref. I, I love that because you can't be worried about them. you got to ball out every time. What I do love about these Raiders is we saw fortitude. Fortitude for them to get through this season the way they did is, is a testament of fortitude. And then also, I love my boy Basaccia. I think we got to give him another chance because what he did under the circumstances, I don't think many others would be able to do. But the two biggest issues, I'll say three biggest issues. One, I don't like Ole. It's just dead zone. The red zone is dead zone. That's what I say every time with him. No clock management, no creativity. Our O-line, we can't have projects going on on the O-line. The O-line got to be the baddest boys in the business. And then our DBs, we need ball hawks, man. Ball hawks, look for the ball, know where the ball is. Other than that, I know we got a good foundation. I know they're going to do the right thing. I'm waiting for you to make those reports on when they happen. I'm supporting you 100% just like I do Raider Nation. Hey. If y'all got an opportunity to come out to this stadium for the Pro Bowl or any event and you haven't been here, come see this jewel we have in the desert. Raider Nation Unite. Raiders! Yeah, I think it's going to be a great offseason with the draft and the Pro Bowl. Again, the Pro Bowl is not a big game, but it's a big event here in Vegas. Super Bowl, Vegas has unbelievable Super Bowl parties. 
here in Vegas that people from all around the world come to to celebrate the Super Bowl here. I think the offseason is going to go fast. I hope it really does. There's a lot of things that are going to happen here in Vegas, a lot of activations, as they say, in the world of Vegas, and some cool things happening. So we're going to have a lot of fun this offseason, and when there's breaking news, you'll know where to find it. Rich Passaccia's press conference next hour. Also, Harry Ruiz will join us. We're brought to you by BillsHappen.com. BillsHappen.com. They're Raider fans ready to help you out. Bills are tight. You want to get a little bit of a bridge loan before a payday? BillsHappen.com. Let the Raider Nation have a source. It's at BillsHappen.com. Scrambles, throws it back in the end zone, but was he out of bounds first or is it a touchdown? I think he was out of bounds. They're discussing it. Caught in the back by Boyd. Conversation on the sideline here for the moment. No signal yet. Jerome Boger, the referee, is over here on the sideline. As they are in conversation, was he out when he threw? The result of the play, touchdown. Touchdown! And it certainly will get closer inspection. Uh, Drew Brees had nothing to say. Super Bowl quarterback, analyst for a playoff game, a tryout. He had nothing to say on that. No one really did. Mike Tirico on the call on NBC. As we're looking back at the inadvertent whistle and why that play wasn't done over again and that waved off, uh, Charles Woodson said it on the back end of the Fox show. It, it happens to the Raiders. It's pretty obvious what the rule is. Do you want to get into that? We're taking your calls, just talking about the Cincinnati game. And then uh, we'll do our year in review this week, and we'll see what happens. The coach is going to speak here probably in the next 10 or 15 minutes, and we'll cover that also. Passionate Raider, you're on deck as the season comes to an end. Go ahead. What's up, JT, man? Good show today, man. And you know what? I'm in the same boat as you feel, JT. Would you expected it to end any other way without the refs having their hand in the pot stirring it after what we've done to them this year. They've tried, and they've tried, and they've tried every single game. I said it on Sunday, JT. The refs cannot beat us. But another thing, you can't play from behind and play the refs at the same time in the NFL and the playoffs. It's, the, it's too many things stacked against one. That's too much emotion. That's too much energy. And I, I, I hollered it last week in the Chargers game, and people yelled at me and told me I was crazy for talking about the refs. Rashard gets his head ripped off right from the referee. He don't even see it. It is what it is with this team and the refs. But the only thing we can do about it, JT, is just come out and win. Just keep winning. Mark needs to just keep his dad's backbone in him and just keep winning because if we keep winning, they have nothing but to respect us. That's the only way we're going to get over this referee bullcrap in our freaking when does it end? How does it end? Winning, JT. And if we don't win, we're going to keep giving them leverage. We just got to win. Yeah, let me jump back in. They they should have won that game. That was the point of the first hour. They should have won this game. They were the better team, and they came up short. A lot of things went against them. But playing with the lead and playing more aggressive, I think, is the key to this team going forward. Hour one brought to you by Grimaldi's. Pounded a lot of Grimaldi's with my family in town this week. They loved it. The best in town.